is Nan Adams. She's 27 years old. Her occupation, buyer at a New York department store. At present on vacation, driving cross-country to Los Angeles, California from Manhattan. How fast were you going, Mace? Oh, 60, 65, something like that. Blowout, skid marks, shoulders like pudding, and going 65 miles an hour. Lady, you're on the side of the angels. By rights, you shouldn't have called for a mechanic. Somebody should have called for a hearse. Just follow me in the town, miss. I'll see if I can fix you up with a new tire. Thank you. Minor incident on Highway 11 in Pennsylvania. Perhaps to be filed away under accidents you walk away from. But from this moment on, Nan Adams' companion on a trip to California will be terror. Her route, fear. Her destination, quite unknown. to you by the new Polaroid 10-second automatic camera. Only three buttons to push. One, two, three. And in just 10 seconds, a finished picture. It's five bucks for the call, 2210 for the tie. At the tax, 260. Whole thing comes to 2970. It's cheaper than a funeral, isn't it? You can say that again. <laughs> Change from your 220s. Check the other tires for you. They look okay. Anything wrong? No. No, nothing's wrong. I was just looking at that, uh, that hitchhiker. What hitchhiker? He's gone now. I guess he got picked up. Probably. Funny, though, I saw him a little while ago while you were changing the tire. Hey, he probably got a lift right after we passed him. Probably. Thank you very much for all your help. It's okay, miss. Have a nice, safe trip. again 50 miles further on and then again on the long straight stretch of Virginia just standing there not menacing really if anything drab a little mousy just a shabby silly looking scarecrow man I shouldn't even think about him at all but it's the coincidence of the thing the fact that wherever I go there he is wherever I stop I see him no matter how far I travel or how fast I go, he's ahead of me. 
I'm on a turnpike now. I don't know why it is, but I'm frightened. A fear just about as vague as its object. Maybe it isn't really a fear, it's more just a sense of disquiet. A feeling that things are a little wrong. It's vague because that's what that hitchhiker is. He's vague. I wonder why it is he's always there. I wonder why I can't shake him. Get many hitchhikers around here? Hitchhikers? Here? Hmm. Rare, huh? Well, it couldn't be no rarer. Guy'd be a fool hitching a ride on a turnpike. Well, look at it. Miles and miles of straightaway and practically no speed limit. Now, what car is going to stop and pick up a guy under those conditions? Would you? No, I, I wouldn't. Well, now, a guy might get a ride before the turnpike starts. You know, maybe by the toll house or something. But even then, it would be a mighty long ride. Most cars wouldn't want to pick up a guy for that long a ride. And then, you know, it's kind of lonely country around here. Flat land, hills, that sort of thing. You didn't see anyone hitching, did you? No, no, I, I didn't see anyone like that. I was just wondering, that's all. Something wrong, miss? I don't know. I, I was... I was just thinking... I was just thinking how good it's going to be to be able to stop driving. It's getting so that... I hate that car. You'll have to wait a minute, miss. Instruction ahead. All right. Driving through the desert, 
unspeakably nightmarishly alone. And I know I'll see him. I'll see him at detours, at railroad crossings. He'll be looking at me at stoplights. I don't know what to do now. I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. Three nights now driving, past Tennessee into Arkansas. Three days and three nights. Stop for food and then drive, stop for food and then drive, stop for food. And the routine goes on. Towns go by without names, landscapes without form. Now it isn't even a trip, it's flight. Route 80 isn't a highway anymore, it's an escape route. So I keep going, conscious of only one thing. I've got to get where I'm going and I can't let that hitchhiker close in on me. halfway across New Mexico. I took a side road, hoping to lose the hitchhiker. At 11 o'clock at night, the engine stopped, and I sit there in the front seat, refrigerated by fear, out of gas. So. Well, come back in the morning and we'll fix you up. Please, I can't stay here all night. I have to have some gas. Lady, it must be past midnight. It's only a little bit after 11. Well, we close up here at 9. Please, I've got to have a can of gas. I just can't stay there by myself. There's a very suspicious looking man there. What about this man? What was he doing? nothing to wake a man up in the middle of his sleep about? I think he's trying to rob me. <laughs> well, if he does, then you come back here and I'll call the sheriff. No, please help me. Not so late. You work here? This your place? No. I ran out of gas. 
I'm just a little bit ways down the road, but this man here won't give me any gas. Well, I saw your car. You know, you left your keys in it. Do you live around here? No, no. I'm on my way back from leave. Where are you headed? Back to my ship. San Diego, that's where she is. That's where I'm heading, San Diego. Do you want to ride? Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding. I mean it. I'll take you all the way into San Diego. Will you drive with me? Look, lady, you don't have to ask twice. You got yourself a ride, honestly. I don't have any gas, though. We'll fix that up. You try the people here? Well, the man's in bed. I... Well, let's get him out of bed. Hey, Pop! You got some customers out here. Say, do you mind if I take off my shoes? My feet feel like two hot bricks. No, go right ahead. Thanks. You know, I, I keep thinking I'll wake up or something. Middle of the night, no cars, no nothing. Who do I meet? A lady who looks like a movie star. When I tell the guys on the ship, do you know what the odds are for even one guy believing me? I said, do you know what the odds are for one guy to believe me? I'll write an affidavit. Uh, we can get a notary to sign it. <laughs> you hitchhike much? Going back and forth on leave, mostly. It's, it's kind of tough in this open country. Trucks are all right. They'll pick you up. But you have trouble with cars. You know, most people in cars won't pick up hitchhikers at night. Oh, I suppose not. I bet if you got a good pickup in a fast car, you could go places faster than, than say, another person in another car. I suppose. Take me, for instance. Suppose I'm driving across the country at a nice steady clip of about, oh, 45 miles an hour. Couldn't a fellow like you, standing beside the road waiting for a lift, beat me to town after town, provided he got picked up every time in a car going about 65 to 70 miles an hour? Couldn't he? I suppose. Maybe he couldn't, maybe he couldn't. What difference does it make? Really, I... <laughs> Just a silly kind of idea I had here sitting in the car. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's a good way to spend your time, Don. <laughs> What's going on? What's the matter? Did you see that man? Oh. Man, you must have seen him. The one standing beside the road. Oh, honey, I didn't see anybody. There was nothing there. What are you trying to do, run us off the road or something? Thin, kind of gray-looking man. I didn't see anybody. Lady, you must be overtired or something. I didn't see nobody, nothing.
Look, lady. Maybe you better let me drive, huh? You must have seen him that time. Huh. I didn't see anybody. What were you trying to do? I was trying to hit him. What? That's right. I was trying to hit him. I thought maybe if I could kill him, I could make him stop. Where are you going? Uh, no place in particular, just out of sight. I'm going to go any place that puts distance between me and this automobile. Please don't go. I just... I don't know what came over me. I... Don't go. Look, baby, I'd like to get back to my ship in one piece and drive him with you. That is a lousy guarantee I'll ever make it. Please, uh, don't go. I promise I'll drive more carefully now. I promise. I'm sorry, lady. I'm sorry, but you'll have to excuse me. You can't go. You understand that? You just can't go. I'll take you all the way into San Diego. I'll drive you right to the docks. I promise. Thanks. But no thanks. Look, I like you. I really like you very much. As a matter of fact, that's why I picked you up, because I liked you. I thought that we could be friends, and I'd kind of like for you to take me out. Really. Please? I'm sorry, ma'am. think I'm out of my mind or something, but I've been seeing this man. He's been following me all the way across the country, and if you could only help me and just stay with me till I reach the coast, please don't go. Please. Excuse me, my shoes. You listen, honey. What you need is a good night's sleep. You don't need a boyfriend. Just a good night's sleep. I'll see you around. with the best of the coffee bean. Aroma, flavor, but not caffeine. New Aroma Roast Sanka Coffee. This is one of the creepier episodes for me, The Hitchhiker. And a couple of things I loved about this episode was uh, I love the dialogue where Nan is talking to herself and it's this whole uh, self-dialogue with herself. And she's trying to explain away the hitchhiker on the side of the road. And it, she just kind of like tries to continue to delude herself throughout the entire car ride. Now, there's a tenseness that continues to build throughout the entire episode uh, from the hitchhiker that keeps you unsettled all the way through. This is one of those uh, episodes where it's a little bit different than anything else we've seen in the Twilight Zone uh, thus far. And the writing, I think, is impeccable within this episode and what Serling and company uh, tried to do with it and did uh, very well was they built this tenseness, like I stated before, and you could really feel 
and see the fear uh, all over the uh, main character uh, Nan's face. And there's the moment when the car that Nan is driving stalls on the uh, train tracks and a train is coming. And it looks pretty grim what we're watching as, you know, this tenseness, as I said, continues to build throughout the episode. And, you know, kind of like calls back to mind exactly what the uh, said hitchhiker is trying to do. And possibly he's trying to uh, beckon her to death or to come to the to the uh, realization of what exactly is is going on and that that well we'll get to that in a second now the moment that nan realizes that the hitchhiker is is trying trying to kill her in uncertain terms it's quite striking because she's already started to figure out uh what's going on and we have no a clear picture as to what has happened or what is actually happening and we don't see the twists uh, coming. I know for the first several times that I thought I couldn't believe what I was actually watching. It's like, you know, she, you know, was really on this other side of the veil and we really didn't uh, know that from the very beginning. And this score within this um this episode is really menacing and it's just it's just non-stop and it just penetrates your your soul and it really conveys um, what Serling and company was trying to accomplish with this episode which was set up that tenseness and that uh, consistent sense of uneasiness which is what it did very well now the the facial acting is great and and it just matches with the dialogue that we hear on screen with the um, voiceover from uh, Nan herself now this episode really felt like a Albert Hitchcock film and just his very essence and just you know kind of like you know whenever you watch a Hitchcock movie there's always someone in a car maybe driving across country or driving some somewhere he used the the car as a vehicle almost as a a uh, antagonistic uh, uh, vehicle um, quite literally in of itself and I thought that was uh, something that really shine through or shown through uh, throughout this particular episode of the Twilight Zone and you know the character uh, the characters that Nan meets along the way make it feel as if she's on a quest of sorts um, we get all of these different characters and they kind of like add to the story and add little tidbits and we're just uh, we're just seeing them for what they are and they really build to the uh, narrative uh, point of the story itself and the sailor that, that, that Nan picks up you know he has a slight creep factor to him 
Um, but then the tables are turned when he's scared off when Nan starts to drive erratically uh, through the night trying to uh, hit this person that he can't uh, he can't see. And I say uh, person uh, in very loose terms. But he was really, really uh, great in this. And it just, every, like I said, the whole tables on him just turned and he was out of there as quickly as he possibly uh, could depart uh, that car uh, and depart from Nan herself. Now, then comes a realization that she's dead. And when she tries to, to call home, it just all kind of like comes flooding back to her as she quite literally said. And that was this was one of the best uh, Twilight Zone twists I can uh, really think of. And it definitely one of the best twists we've seen up to this very moment. Now, this is a ghost story um, in a sense. And all along the way from the car repairman to the sailor, we can see her. So I'm just trying to figure out exactly, exactly um, how this occurred and how everyone could see her. And I don't know, maybe it's like, maybe she's like a thinning of the veil. They can, they, they're actually seeing a, a ghost and they just don't, they just don't know it. But there were just many things in this episode that just, you know, definitely put it on my uh, creepiest Twilight Zone episodes of all time and it's actually on my list of the creepiest uh, episodes of the Twilight Zone. I have an episode 15 of the creepiest episodes and the hitchhiker is definitely on that list. Oh, I'm outside of the diner near Tucson. There's a payphone outside and I'm going to call home back to New York. Put in a call to my mother so I can speak to someone familiar. Someone I love. Someone to bring back reality to me. Just a voice. A warm, familiar voice so I won't lose my mind. Operator, I'd like to make a call to my home in New York City. My name is Nan Adams. The telephone number is Trafalgar 41098. Whom do you wish to speak to, please? Who's this? This is Mrs. Whitney. Mrs. Whitney? I don't know any Mrs. Whitney. Is this Trafalgar 41098? Yes, it is. Where's my mother? Where's Mrs. Adams? She's still in the hospital. A nervous breakdown. Nervous breakdown? But there's nothing the matter with my mother. What do you mean a nervous breakdown? Well, it's all taken place since the death of her daughter. Her daughter, I... what do you what do you mean the death of her daughter? I... Who's this? What number is this? It's all been very sudden. Nan was killed just six days ago in an automobile accident in Pennsylvania. A tire blew out and her car turned over. I 
It's as if someone had pulled out some kind of a plug in me and everything, emotion, feeling, fear, has drained out. And now I'm a cold shell. I'm conscious of things around me now. The vast night of Arizona. The stars that look down from the darkness. Ahead of me stretch a thousand miles of empty mesa. Mountains, prairies, desert. Somewhere among them he's waiting for me. Somewhere I'll find out who he is. I'll find out. I'll find out what he wants. So just now, for the first time, looking out at the night, I think I know. I think I know. I believe you're going my way. Nan Adams, age 27. She was driving to California, to Los Angeles. She didn't make it. There was a detour through the twilight zone.